0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon, and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Hey, man! All right. Acts chapter number 16, please. The 16th chapter of the book of Acts. I'd like to start uh, a short series on Philippians. Um... Some of you know, uh, yeah, yeah, Philippians. I, some of you may remember we went through Philippians, uh, one of the first series that we did at the church. Many of you weren't around for that series. I put together what was the equivalent of a small book uh, on the book of Philippians. Um, you know, I, wished, I really wished I was backing up my notes uh, back then. Uh, that would have been really nice because all that stuff is gone somewhere. Uh, many, many hours of work and stuff, but... Uh, but it's good because I get to go back and do it again, so it'll be a blessing. Um, but, uh, but I go to the book of Acts because this is where we first learn uh, about how the church in Philippi was founded. And there's been some preaching and teaching around this. Michael's done a good bit of preaching lately out of Philippians. And that's one of the reasons that I actually intend, since I've already done it before, I intended a little bit more survey style of the book of Philippians. Uh, but we'll see how that goes once we get there um, in the next message. But tonight in Acts chapter number 16, I want to do a kind of a survey, if you will, of Acts chapter number 16. Uh, now, uh, we can begin. This is, this is Paul's second missionary journey. So if you would go to the book of Acts sixteen, book of Acts verse six, chapter sixteen, verse one, and the Bible says, "Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess, and believed, <clears throat> and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and at Iconium." him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters for they knew all that his father they knew all that his father was a greek verse 4 and as they went through the cities they delivered them the decrees for to keep that th- that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem and so uh, were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily and, uh, and th- this is getting into an interesting section. And, and one of my thoughts around this chapter is thinking about what God can do with a surrendered life or what God will do if you will open up a way for Him in your life. And that sounds like something that as God's people we should all open up a way for God in our lives. But uh, we need to make sure that, uh, that we are fully surrendered to God and willing to do whatever God would have us to do. Because we're reading about some men that are surrendered, and we're going to read about a lady that was surrendered to the will of God, and all that God's able to do, because as we go through this chapter, how God brings an open door into Philippians, we're going to see several things that God opens up, but it all starts with some people that were willing to say, you know what, I will go where God wants me to go, and right away, you know, I was encouraged thinking about you tonight a year ago, tomorrow, since he surrendered to preach, and it was kind of cool that uh, many believe that Timothy, which was Timotheus, he that we just read about that he was probably a convert in Paul's first missionary journey but on this second missionary journey, uh, he uh, he connects with Paul and he becomes part of the ministry team, if you will. It begins to travel with Paul, and I just think it's cool that God brings along uh, preachers uh, in the ministry to help with the work, to grow in the work, and to uh, and then then to you know whether God wants them here or there or wherever. Uh, but but it's just a blessing that God is bringing in young men that are surrendered and to, and willing to preach. Uh, but then it also ta- it takes everybody, and that's. One of the things in the Bible that is so powerful that everything that we do, we all have a ministry. Um, and even if it, 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 we, we're all in full-time ministry, I've said that before. We saw that in Ephesians. You can see it in Colossians as well. And when the Bible talks about do all that you do, hardly as unto the Lord, um, your work's not in vain. Uh, even if it is, even if it feels really in vain, uh, but it's not in vain uh, if you do it for the Lord. Now. Uh, So here they are, and it's kind of cool here just as you get into verse number six, because notice what it says here. Now when they had gone throughout uh, uh, Phygea and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So they were trying to go east, but the Holy Ghost said no. So... Instead of going east, they started heading west. After they were come to uh, Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by uh, Mysia, came down to Troas. So there's almost an encouraging thing there that if if you're ever trying to pray about the will of God and you wish the will of God were more clear uh, and more understandable, isn't it kind of encouraging when you see the Apostle Paul in them? They're like, boy... You know, why would God not want me to go to Asia? I want to go to Asia. But God says, no, it's not Asia that I want you to go to. Then it's like, well, we'll go in this direction. And God says, no, that's not the direction I want you to go into. Uh, Many times the way I've prayed throughout the years about the will of God, it's not always this way. Um... You know, there's sometimes you just know something's the will of God. Uh, but there's other times I'll just say, Lord, please open up the door. I've, I've even gone in a direction. Matter of fact, the way I came to Elk Point as far as to start is to, to, to begin renting our last location was by saying, okay, Lord, because uh, I'd already called and talked to Tim and, and and that door was open. And I said, okay, God, if they do not accept my lowball offer on a lease in Vermilion, uh, I'm dusting my feet of Vermilion as far as uh, starting this work here. And I'm going to Elk Point instead. And so God shut the door in Vermilion and he opened the door in Elk Point. And, and then, of course, God has been blessing ever since. But it's just neat to see how that they, want, they were trying to do something. They were, they were trying to take the gospel to places. And God said, not there. Not there. This is the direction. Not there yet. The timing of God, I'm leading you in a certain direction, and so that's one of the difficult things, and sometimes you just don't know, why is God not allowing me to do this, which I, I'm, surely this is the will of God, uh, but God says, yes, it is my will, but this is not the time, and you are not the people at this point to, to go in uh, to go east. I want you heading west. And so as they're going, because here's what the Lord, the Lord was doing something. And listen, when, when it seems like all God is saying is no, or it seems like we're not hearing from God, God is always at work. And we kind of learned that last week about waiting for the Lord. Uh, but notice what the Bible says here in verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Verse 10 And after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And I want to, I want to stop right there and try to get us back up to this point. Uh, I'm trying to introduce the book of Philippians and we'll get there in just a moment. Um, Mas- the Macedonia region, the significance of this, this Macedonian call as it's been, uh, been heralded and been called is that it was the opening for the gospel into Europe. So this is a call coming from Europe saying, "Come over and help us." Uh, and of course, they, they were uh, most of this is in uh, where they had been working previously was in modern-day Turkey. But now they're moving into areas of Greece. Uh, And so it's a cool thing. Now, they're going into uh, Philippi eventually. That's the book I want to study about. That's their first uh, significant stop in Europe. Philippi Philippi was a a Macedonian hill town that was overlooking the Bay uh, bay at Neapolis. Now, uh, King Philip II of Macedonia was... uh, they, they needed help. The, the, the previous occupants of that city said, we need some help against some people that were coming against us. He said, I'll come in and help and give you support. Uh, and they did that and, and kind of worked out a deal. The city was then named after him. So King Philip second. so the city of Philippi, is named after King Philip II. Uh, anybody know, uh, I'm just going to do some more little ancient trivia here. Anybody know who the famous son of King Philip II of Macedonia was? King Philip III. No. Uh, good guess, though. I've got to give it to you. I can't usually say that. But uh, it was, okay. Alexander. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. So King Philip II of Macedonia, his son was Alexander the Great. So he claimed the city. It was named after him. And it was turned. It was fortified. It was turned into a fort in 365 B.C. Fast forward to Paul's days and the plains of Philippi were a famous site because when you got to Philippi, you could look around and what you would see was the, the plains where Antony and Octavian had met and defeated Cassius and Brutus in 42 B.C. Now, what's significant about, number one, Octavian? Octavian. He, he, his, his name was changed when he got in power. That's right. His name was changed. He became a Caesar, and it was called Augustus. So he's the first Augustus, Octavian. Um, so he was the first Octa- uh, uh, Augustus Caesar, and then there was a couple to follow. Uh, but, but yes, they, they defeated uh, Cassius and Brutus and their armies. Now what's significant about Cassius and Brutus? That's right. They're the ones that had that killed Julius Caesar. So again, for those that don't like history, I know that you're bored right now and thinking I didn't come to church for this. For the rest of us, just bear with us because we like we we enjoy it. Um, but they were the conspirators who had Julius Caesar uh, killed. And if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that uh, Octavian was. Uh, Julius Caesar's nephew, if I remember correctly. But, uh, but, but regardless, and, and, and so this was a significant battle because when Octavian and Antony won, basically, effectively, this ended the Republic of Rome. Because from that point on, it became ran by the Caesars and not by the Republic, not by the Senate. They were still there oftentimes, but that gave way. Now, uh, now... We get to Philippi. Now we get to Acts chapter number 16. And as much as I like ancient history and I like more modern history, I like history. I'm telling you, uh, there's nothing that we've talked about thus far that's as impactful as the history that takes place in Acts chapter number 16. Why? Because now in Acts chapter number 16, we're about to read about a moment when there steps on to to European soil a new conquering general... He's not a man that's out for his own glory, but the glory of his king and his kingdom. His entrance is inconspicuous and unheralded, but will ultimately have a greater and more enduring impact on the world than any earthly conqueror or king that came before or that's ever come since. That general is the Apostle Paul. Uh, then, uh, So into Europe, he charges with a blazing sword of the Spirit instead of an iron sword. With the unflappable armor of God on the inside, though on the outside it's rags and weakness that you find on the exterior. There are no thunderous Roman legions on his flanks as he comes into town. Just a handful of faithful men armed only with surrendered hearts and an eagerness to share the good news of the Gospel. Folks, if I could get anything and if I could instill anything within our hearts tonight from the youngest to the oldest of us is that serving God is an adventure. I mean, listen, these were daring men. These were men of of, of endeavor. These were men, I mean, that were intrepid as they faced what what laid ahead of them when they opened up their hearts and their minds and surrendered their lives to God was an absolute adventure for Christ. And folks, even if you are living in a time in your life to where you've fallen into more of the mundane and just the regular thing, man, we we need to recapture that spirit, that pioneering spirit of what it is to, to live for God and to understand the parallel, just an awesome parallel if you think about it, the whole point of Philippi becoming a, a Grecian city, a Grecian fortified city, and then of course a uh, Roman uh, city later on. The, the the thing about it being a Roman colony is that it represented Rome. It was basically a little Rome. And if somebody said it was Rome away from Rome is what some people call uh, Philippi. It sounds like somebody has a speech impediment, but... Rome away from Rome. and But what it is, is it represented, it was to represent and it was to stand for everything that Rome stood for among heathen people. And you know what? That's how God has us as the church. I mean, He has us representing heaven wherever we may be in the places where we are. And so it's a blessing and it's exciting. And, uh, and, and another thing... That I want to share that I thought is pretty cool. That it, there's, there's an inter- that's interesting to consider the providential thread that connects the three of, aforementioned kingdoms. Okay, okay. So going back to uh, King Philip II and especially, especially Alexander the Great, uh, going back to the Roman Empire coming, think about this. Uh, Alexander the Great conquered two million square miles. From 336 to 323 B.C. I mean, if you look at the map of what he conquered, 2 million square miles. I mean, uh, in, in a very short period of time, he died as a very, fairly young man. Uh, but, but, but during this time, by the way, he was the leopard that Daniel foresaw. The, the, his kingdom uh, was the leopard that Daniel had uh, foresaw back in the book of Daniel. How fast and, and quickly uh, the kingdom spread. But here's the thing. Along with the kingdom spreading, there's something else that spread, and it's the Greek language. So this Greek language, as Greece was as Alexander was conquering, he was also expanding the so you went from one into another, and over two two million square miles, you could find people that could speak Greece, Greek yeah. Ah. And, okay, so you've got that. Now, so that's, that's, that's 323 B.C. Now, fast forward just a, a decade, really, and you'll find that, that Rome, in about 312 B.C., began to build roads. 372 roads across the empire. All right? So, and, and, and these roads were comprised of more than 250,000, a quarter of a million, miles On these roads, so all this vast empire, all these now all these roads that connect all these places. Now what? Then what happens? Now you go forth a few hundred years. In forty nine A.D., Paul and other missionaries jumped on these roads. It was it was the providence of God. They got on these roads and they traveled these roads. And as they traveled these roads, and as they came into these new places, guess what? Guess what language they could speak in? Greek, amen? They could preach in Greek, the people could hear them in Greek. And you don't want to to know something else? Uh, When Paul started writing these letters, guess what they were written in? Greek, amen? And so now all of a sudden, the Word of God has a place, and it's just the providence of Almighty God. And so, uh, so, so that's just a little bit of cool background that I was thinking about a little bit this afternoon. And so, what happens when God, when we surrender our lives to God and we allow the Lord to work? For, for one thing, we see that God opens up the way. God opens up the way. And th- they didn't know what they were going to do, but God made a way. Listen, the Bible still says it's a great, great verses and great principle to live by in Proverbs 3, uh, 5, 6, and 7. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. How do we do with that verse? So, so I, I think a lot of us try to live that verse with trust in the Lord with most of thine heart or some of thine heart, but trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And man, listen if we will open up ourselves to God, God will open the way for us his way for us not our way amen and one of the things that we'll we'll that anybody that ever surrenders to God anybody that ever finds out that God's way is the way they want to go finds out that God's way is the way they should go and that if and and it may be a few years down the road but you'll be able to look back and you'll be like man if I would have had the choice if I'd have known what I knew now I would have definitely chosen God's way I wanted my way, but God had a better way for me. Uh, Just always remember that. Any way that God's opening up for you is a good way. Amen? I mean, listen, those paths are, are good paths. They're godly paths. They're paths He wants to bless you on. And that's what it says. Notice again there in verse 10. And and after he had uh, seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering, uh, ga- gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to... Oh, man, I didn't practice this one today. Samotharicia. And the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. So they were there for several days. So God opened up the way. But not only did God open up a way for them, they opened up themselves to God. God opened the way. Number two, God opens a heart. God opens a heart, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city. Now, there's an interesting thing here. You'll notice they didn't have a synagogue here. They weren't able to go to the Sabbath for a synagogue, which means there wasn't much of a Jewish population there. In order to have a synagogue, you had to at least have ten Jewish men uh, in, order to have, in order to have a synagogue. So they apparently they didn't even have that much. But on the Sabbath, out by the river, their prayer was wont to be made. So they would gather at the river. And, 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 and prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women that resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia. You know, I just I just forgive me for a second, but sometime I really need to put a message together on what the Bible... What the New Testament has done for women. You want to know what the world would look like if it hadn't been for the New Testament for women? Go to the Middle East in some of these places, and you'll see, uh, because I'm telling you, that was a very common thing. But I'm telling you, uh, there's, not, there's, there's not been a greater thing for women and true women's rights. I mean, I'm not talking about the feminazi uh, business and then the hypocrisy of some of that stuff, but I'm talking about true, uh, true uh, care and significance for women. And that'll just be another message for another day. But a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So now this is this is interesting. So for one thing, they stayed there a few days and apparently they didn't do a whole lot. By the way, I want to go back to my message on last week about waiting on the Lord. They waited a few days before they launched out and started doing the ministry. Uh, I started thinking, you know, I thought about this just today. It's amazing. You ever feel like you're wasting time? You know, or you ever feel like, uh, you, know, w- you know, waiting on God is not wasting time, but sometimes it feels like wasting time? How long was Jesus Christ the Son of God? I mean, as in the flesh. This isn't a trick question. Yeah, 33 years. The entire time he was alive, he was the Son of God. So how long, therefore, did he have miracle-working power? How long did he have all knowledge to be able to preach and teach whatever message he good and well decided to please? 33 years. Guess what he did for 30 years? Well, maybe not a full 30 years. But you know what he did for most of those 30 years? Worked off in a carpenter shop. We assume he was the carpenter's son, which would, uh, uh, that's what, so think about that. 30 years well Jesus why weren 't you out healing people why weren 't you out you know spreading why weren't you out preaching uh it just wasn't time amen the fullness of time i mean i don't know uh but it, he wasn't wasting time amen I shouldn't accuse the Lord of that uh he knows what he's doing so uh, you may be waiting uh but just uh, but just keep trusting the Lord and keep serving the lord uh, God knows where he wants to work he knows when he wants to work uh, okay so um Again, uh, Lydia, as we can see with Lydia, we were introduced to her. She was a successful businesswoman. Thyra Tower was renowned for their purple dyes. You know, which to us in this day don't sound like a big deal, but that was a big deal. It was a profitable uh, industry. Now, here she goes. She launches out uh, as kind of a satellite out of her company, if you will, and now she's going into a new region uh, and a new market with this company of selling purple. And so a very successful uh, woman, no doubt, here in Philippi, but God brought her all the way to Greece that she might be able to hear the gospel and be converted. The Bible says she was a worshiper of God, but understand just simply what that means. She was a, she was a Gentile that was trying to follow Judaism. She was trying to worship God the best that she knew how, but she did not yet know Christ. She did not know uh, the way, but the Bible says that Paul shared the word with her. I like what it said there when it says uh, the last part of verse 14, that, uh, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of of by Paul that just literally means the things that were spoken it literally means that he he actually did not get out on the riverside and start preaching he just talked to him he spoke to him uh, and he had a conversation with them, and so man, we we know that God uses preaching. I mean, throughout the Word of God, that's very clear. Uh, but man, you know, sometimes we just ought to visit, amen. And we can just take time and talk to people. And God opened up her heart. So uh, take some time to talk to people. But uh, but here she is. She heard the gospel. She accepted Christ. She's one of my favorite illustrations of salvation being simple. And she's one of my favorite illustrations when people get all caught up on uh, their experience versus somebody else's experience. Listen, it's not about the, the, the circumstances surrounding your experience when it comes to salvation. The important thing is, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Are you saved? You say, well, I didn't cry like so-and-so cried. Doesn't matter. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, I heard old so-and-so testifying. they said they couldn't eat or sleep for three months, you know. Uh, I've I've heard people, I I know people that were under such conviction they could not sleep, went out and bought uh, bought new mattresses and things like that. I know people that were, I mean, just physically sick. They were so sick and tired of their sin. And I hear testimonies like that and it's like, man, I just kind of heard it and thought, well, that'd be great. You know, maybe not exactly like that, but but, but that, that, those things don't matter. What matters is that I understand that I was a guilty sinner before God Almighty, uh, and whether I could say it in these words or not, but did I understand that I was a guilty sinner before God Almighty, and that my good works and my, the, the praying that I had done and the, the good deeds that I had done were not uh, going to amount to a hill of beans, for my salvation, that Christ went to the cross and I put my faith and trust in Him? Did I accept Christ? Did I turn to Him? I uh, turned from my sins and turned to Christ. And that's the question for you as well. It doesn't matter what the circumstances really surrounding it were. Did you open up your heart to Christ like Lydia did? Uh, because what the, Lydia, it, she, the moment she got saved here by the river, she was just as saved as the Apostle Paul with his amazing experience. Experiences were different, but the, the it was the, the 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 thing that mattered happened as they both accepted Christ as their Savior. So, uh, but but so God opened up the Word to her. You know what? I believe if we're walking in God's way, we'll find some people. God will open up the way for us. God will also open up some hearts for us. He'll open up some hearts. And don't you want to lead somebody to Christ? Don't you don't you want to make sure you go into heaven uh, with not not empty-handed? I mean, and listen, I understand that uh, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that you will, will win a million souls to Christ or anything like that. But man, if we make the effort, amen, God blesses that as well. But man, if we just go out with that with that thought in mind, Lord, I want to bring somebody to Christ. I want to be responsible for somebody being in heaven. Because that is, that's something for all of us, amen. And so we need to pray, God, open up the way for me. Lord, open up some hearts uh, that I may be able to share the Word of God with them. And the Lord will bless, bless, I believe, if we'll do that. Now, what you find is that you cannot do a work for God without having some opposition. How many of you know that? I mean, here we are preaching to a Wednesday night crowd. How many of you know that you can't surrender? You can't, you can't sell out. You can't say, I'm giving everything to God, lock, stock, and barrel. And then just, uh, just smooth sail on right on into heaven after that. You know what for a lot of people they say, man, it was easier when I wasn't when I was just half-hearted about things. Right. It was easier when I didn't care. It was easier when I wasn't giving my all. It was easier when I wasn't volunteering. It was easier when I wasn't giving of myself and giving of my time. It was easier when I wasn't all in. And so therefore, people fall back. But folks, we're not in this thing for the ease of it. The Lord didn't promise that it'd be easy. Amen? He just said there's a work to do and I'll help you do it. And when it gets hard, man, i tell you, I, I, I just, I, I feel bad for the people. I feel bad for us sometimes when we, we, we come short. I mean, in other words, if we just kept going, if we just kept being faithful, if we, I, mean, I think it was Jim Carrey, uh, man, William Carrey, his friends called him Jim. He was really funny. Uh, But but you know, at least coming from him, I hadn't done that in years. uh, But uh, (laughs) but listen, at least coming from him, he he did not think of himself as some great speaker or some great missionary. But one thing, the the words of his mouth said, he's like man. He said, one thing I can do, I can plod. I can plod, and I'm a plodder, and that just simply means this: you may not be going fast, but by golly, he's still going. And it may not look like he's doing a whole lot, but he ain't stopping. He, I mean, it, it may not be impressive. It may not be a lot of things, but there he is. And you know what? If there's nothing said about me, I hope 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, uh, whatever I may have, I hope I'm still plodding. Amen. And even if I'm rolling, amen, I hope I'm still, I still hope I'm rolling for Jesus. Amen. I mean,. And I don't have to be breaking no world rolling records, but man, if, as long as I'm still going for the Lord. And my point is, that's what it ought to be. This thing, listen, it's a marathon, amen. It's not just a sprint. We got to keep on going. We got to keep uh, going through this thing and encourage one another. So, uh, because there is opposition, and when all of this stuff happened, that you'll find out here uh, again quickly. Look in verse number sixteen. And I wish I could talk about her, you know, Lydia following the Lord in baptism and everything. Obviously very important as well. Uh, Verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer that a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. Basically the devil showed up. She went around saying these men are the men of the Most High God. And I know it's easy to read that and say, well, man, sign her up, amen. But what else was she saying? What else was she representing? And in this pagan culture, what it could almost appear as is this is just another uh, message to go along with the other messages, perhaps. Uh, But one thing's for sure, she was a demon-possessed woman, and Paul uh, cast the demon out of her, and she got saved. And after that, uh, that cost uh, her masters much money, and so that got them in trouble. That, that got them being beat. And going down to verse number 19, uh, they, they look at verse, says there in verse 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace, into the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and and, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who receiving, uh, see, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made them fast in their stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas said, "Why me, Lord? All I did was surrender to you. All I did was do what you told me to do. Why me?" Now, that's not what your Bible says, is? That's not what mine says either. Lord, I thought it was going to be easy. The Holy Ghost told me to come here. Man, we we just 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 hang on, amen. Have a tena- we god help us to have a tenacity about us, amen? amen. Things getting hard? Yep, it's hard, but my God's still good, amen. amen. Man, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a, a whole lot about this woman I'm about to mention to you, but man, I'm telling you, her testimony is a blessing to me. The time I just catch her on a, on a rare occasion at night and so She is off in some wacky doctrine, man. I hope she's not. But I heard that Johnny Erickson taught us. She's turning 70 years old. Uh, she's a quadriplegic. She deals with intense pain and uh, stuff every single day of her life. I mean, she's been. Uh, she's had a for all intents and purposes. Many people would look at her life and just say, I'd rather die. But she says, I'd rather live and keep trying to do something for God and keep trying to reach out to people like this. I mean, uh, she's got, I know one thing about her. She's got a tenacity about her. Amen. I mean, and she keeps on going. May God help us uh, to, get, let, to get a hold of God, to let God get a hold of us, and just to keep on going. It got rough for these boys. But you, you, you see what it really says there in verse 23. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And I just got, I mean, I know Michael's talked about this. I know I talk about it a lot. But man, the power of prayer and the power of praise. Pray. Pray. We need to pray for souls. We need to call those names out. Amen. I mean, we need to call one another's names out before the Lord. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to to praise the Lord. Give Him glory. See, it's, it's easy, man. I, I wish I could, uh, uh, you know, t- to think about all that they went through during this. Uh, you know, in- in- instead of complaining or calling out, you know what they could have did. God sent down fire on these fools. Yeah. But they didn't do that either. They prayed and they praised God. When you are in pain, the midnight hour is not the easiest time for a worship service. But God gives songs in the night. Job 35 verse 10 and Psalm 42 verse 8. Charles Spurgeon said, any fool can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light uh, to uh, read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. So it it is easy to sing during the day, but may God help us to be faithful to praise the Lord and to give him glory and to pray to him even when things are hard. Why? Because my God is still good. And even when I don't understand, even when I don't know, I mean, Paul and Silas did not know where this thing was going. But they prayed God anyway. You know why? You know why they praised God? Because they knew however it went was God's will and that God was going to work it out to His His glory and for their good, God always has your good at heart. Our God really does. He's always got your good in mind. And He's always got His glory in mind. And so therefore, you can praise Him. Well, I wish you'd explain this one to me, God. God says you wouldn't understand it if I did explain it to you. Right? I mentioned that last week as well. We want God to explain some things. Amen? you know, I want Richard to explain to me what he's uh, the, the work that he's done over the past week. okay? in this cybersecurity blah 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 world and I want him to use the jargon and I want him to use uh, all that, uh, all the, all that uh, technology and gobbledygook and everything and, and I'll just sit there and Richard, why is my computer not working? Well, actually, I'll tell you what happened blah blah, blah, blah and I'm like. Never mind, okay? Uh, put it. You know, he I, I, could try to explain it to me all day, but yet I look at God Almighty. I can't look at Richard and tell him to explain it to me. I look at God Almighty. God, I need an explanation. Really? Amen. The explanation is, I love you, I'm in control, uh, I, 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 and, 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 and this is going to work out. Amen. The explanation is, I am good, I've always been good, I'm righteous, therefore I've always been right, I'm not going to do you wrong, I've never done anybody wrong, And I'm not starting with you. You ever feel like God started with you? I guess I'm going to be the one. First one ever in eternity that God's going to do wrong. Yeah, it doesn't happen. That's what we need to understand. So I just need Richard to say, here, just give it to me and I'll fix it. Or, you know what? You just need another one. All right? Uh, Okay, sounds good. All right? And I mean, I just need to trust him. Amen. I trust Richard because he knows that stuff uh, a little bit better than I do. Just a little bit. What happened? So they prayed in verse 26 and suddenly there was... And you know what? Let me tell you something. There's some su- things that can suddenly happen in your life. And you, I'm telling you, a matter of fact, I believe I could get a testimony. I believe I could get a witness from a person or two in here tonight that could testify, that could say clearly that there's been some times you didn't think it was going to change. Suddenly. Amen. Suddenly. I'm telling you what, man. Things can turn in a hurry. Amen? Hallelujah. Just keep on. Just keep on. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed and man, they got out of dodge. They didn't. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. The thing you need to know about a Roman guard or soldier, if uh, whatever the, the, the penalty was of a prisoner he was keeping, if the prisoner was to escape, he would have to then fulfill that sentence. If it was just having your hand removed, then that's what would have to happen to the guard. But if there was people with the death penalty, then he would have been put to death. And then, rather than go through the humiliation of that, that's why you know he—it wasn't just that he was having issues; it was just that that was a thing to do back in that time. Um, so, the fear of God—they none of them left. And that's what you see here. Uh, He he, he would have uh, killed himself. But then I love this. Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Once again, we we read this and we just kind of keep going. But I mean, this guy was the guy that locked them up. Put them in stocks. I mean, you know, the the, the ironclad chains around their ankles and everything. He could have said, man, I don't mind. He deserves it. You know, he deserves what he gets. But he didn't. He said, no, no, no. Do thyself no harm. Do thyself no harm, he says. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. So now here's God opening up the prison doors and then some more hearts. Amen. So God can open up the way. He can open up hearts. He can open up the prison doors. He can open up suddenly something that never seemed like it would ever open up to you. And they and of course they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thine house." Amen. Man, I tell you what, we need to be ready with an answer. We need to give folks an answer uh, of the hope that's within us. What's different? We need to have the right answer. Amen. I'm glad. Praise God! I'm glad that I heard the right answer one day. Uh, whenever I was confronted with that thought, "What must I do to be saved?" Amen. I'm glad I got the right answer. And man, we need to make sure that people get the right answer. Um. And we need not assume that people know the right answer. Amen. Are you trusting Christ? Do you know him? And praise God, it was that simple. And there again, what happened to him? Uh, verse number 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. Uh, man, I, Sometimes I read the New Testament and think we wait way too long to baptize people. Amen. Uh, and I know there's arguments and people say, well, no, you need to wait a little while. But it's like, man, well, tell Paul that. I wish somebody had got to Paul uh, and told him that because he sure wasn't waiting to long amen but anyway um, uh, he, 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 he was baptized and uh, straightway in all of his house and uh, they, they, everybody that heard the message uh, in his house was saved and, and and so forth the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about the um, about the other prisoners but clearly they must have stayed around too Um and so, uh, so, so we see this. So as, as we think about this, as we, we review this chapter, again, what are we looking at? We're looking at the starting of the church at Philippi. We're looking at some of the charter members, amen? Uh, now, it included Lydia. Maybe that wasn't a hard sell that Lydia uh, and her family would be a part of this first church. But I tell you, if you said, oh, yeah, and that little demon-possessed girl going around here, she's going to be one of our charter members, too. And then you see that jailer over there that does anything, that, that wicked jailer, there's no telling the people he's abused and killed and, 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 and so forth. You see that guy? Yep, he's going to be the deacon, amen? He's the, he's the first, I mean, you know, the, the, it's not the people you think of, and, but, but God opens up the way. I mean, and here it is, folks, one of the great things, historically speaking, about this chapter is that what God did in this chapter still in a way resonates to this day some of you have been back to this region and you do not find a you do not find revival you do not find a, a, an extremely strong christian presence there or anything but i tell you the the point is this the gospel came to europe most of us most of our descendants were uh, were, were affected uh, descendants but most of our ancestors uh, i 'm not getting that weird most of our ancestors were affected by this glorious message coming into Europe and then onward west it spread all the way. Until it got to those crazy Celts and those up in the British Isles and uh, with the human sacrifice and all all the wicked things they they were doing up there and then then of course before long across the oceans it comes and and so forth I mean and man and I, I mean and listen well I don't have to tell this crowd here tonight but if you're in uh, public school listen not every not every European that come to this country come to kill an Indian and steal their gold all right uh, there was a lot of people that truly came here uh, to reach uh, reach the Indians with the gospel uh, and were not. Not coming here for gold, they were coming here for the prize of uh, religious liberty uh, and so uh, that's a whole nother message but but as, as you review you see the work of the Lord, how it progresses through difficulties and challenges. We'll have our share of difficulties and challenges. sometimes the workers have problems with each other. We didn't get into that, but in chapter 15 man Paul uh, Paul and them split. Over John, Mark, Barnabas. Uh, They split. Uh, I mean, uh, they they had problems with each other. Sometimes the problems come from the outside. And it's also worth noting that not every sinner comes to Christ in the same manner. And of course, we talked about that. Timothy was a man here. We got Lydia and all these different ones. Uh, But different people with different experiences all changed by the grace of God. But think about this, folks. Will you open up yourself... God may not send you on an exciting adventure to do pioneer missions. Maybe He will. But you know what? Maybe He's just sending you out on your job again tomorrow. Or into the school. Or into the the place where you may live. Or the neighborhood where you may abide. I mean, listen. And there's people there. And you look at them. And you may not look at them and say, Oh yeah, that's the next great member of Elk Point Baptist Church. That's the next great preacher. That's the next singer. That's the next uh, leader uh, in Elk Point Baptist Church. But I'm telling you, regardless, there's people out there just like Lydia. Just like this demon-possessed girl. I mean, they're all over the map, aren't they? Lydia, a woman that's trying to seek God, but that she's ignorant. We know enough of them. Yeah. A, a demon-possessed girl that's just that's just in, in the darkness of paganism and in and, and the occult and, and 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 so forth. But but God brings her out and then a jailer. Look at the different the, the realm. Listen, there's people out there that don't look like they want to hear the gospel because they don't know what the gospel is. Amen. But we need to share the gospel with them. We need to open up ourselves. And you know what? We can have adventure. We can be pioneers. How? Because we can begin to touch out and, and re- make a difference into other people people's lives and to bring them to Christ. And there's no telling what God could do through those people. Amen. Amen. You know, we often use uh, the, the, the examples often been used of Edward Kimball. Being, uh, you know, just being a a, a lowly uh, Sunday school teacher that got a burden for Dwight, one of his uh, one of the boys that had come to Sunday school, getting a burden for old Dwight, uh, knowing the guys he was running around with, knowing that he wasn't doing everything just right, and uh, and so he just Edward decided he would go to Dwight where Dwight worked at, and uh, and he was uh, of course worked in a shoe shop, and, and there he comes in and he begins to talk to Dwight and and share the gospel with him. I mean. He had a burden. He endeavored to go. He was a pioneer. No, he didn't go to great reaches of the country. But he just went to the shoe shop. Amen? And there was Dwight. He had a burden. And God opened up Dwight's heart. And and Dwight L. Moody got saved by the grace of God due to a burden. This this man that was willing to go. And of course, some say that over a million souls came to Christ just under the ministry during D.L. Moody's lifetime. And I mean, it's just who is willing to go? Who is willing? I I heard the other day I mentioned George Whitfield on uh, uh, on Sunday, and there was a number I wasn't thinking about mentioning George Whitfield, but there was a number that I that I was reminded of today. That George Whitfield he averaged during his time preaching across America during the Great Awakening, he averaged preaching some four hundred times a year. Four hundred times a year he ended up he, he averaged preaching. Uh, I mean, and man, he. But you know what? It was worth it. He drove himself. He drove himself sick, uh, but he kept on preaching. Why? Because he had opened up himself, and God had opened up the way for him. Amen. All right. Uh, well, let's all stand. And I wonder if you'd come and just play something softly on um, the piano this evening, Kim. And I, I just, I just ask you. You know, and I, I believe that most of us really try to live our lives and our our, our lives open. You know, to the Lord, Lord, I will go. Uh, I mean, I, I believe that, that that's the, the general attitude that we have, but I just really encourage you in that. Amen. Make that commitment and you, confirm that commitment. Um, be willing. Be willing. You know the trials and stuff really stink. The pain. It's called pain for a reason cuz it hurts. The doubts. I mean, listen, these guys I, I didn't I didn't go into great detail, but they were beaten, man. They were beaten. They were bloodied and bruised. They were hurt. You talk about hurting. They couldn't see a way out. I want to encourage you, child of God. Some of you are beat beat up right now. Some of you are beat up. Some of you are wore out. Hey, don't give up. Don't give up. You got a God that loves you. You got a powerful God. You got an able God. Don't give up, child of God. He's going to help you. He's going to work. He knows the end from the beginning.